I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. They want benign indifference. They want us drugging. We could be pets. We could be food. But all we really are is livestock. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. The world needs a wake-up call. We're gonna phone it in. Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thank you for joining me. I've been looking a lot lately into word magic to try and understand this game that we're playing uh, in today's day and age where things are just all over the place, right? You have mandates flying around, which aren't laws. They're just orders. You have all of this chaos going on. And the problem is most Americans do not understand where this came from and how this started and truly do believe that we live in a republic still or a a democracy. But in reality, when you look at it, about 150 years ago, we were changed from a democracy, so to speak, a republic into a corporation. And, And with that being said, what is a corporation? Well, a corporation is an artificial person or a legal entity created by or under the authority of the laws of a state. So it's not a living person. It's not an entity, which we wouldn't expect the government to be, but it's artificial. It's fake. You know, and that's what we're getting into here. And we're going to take a look tonight at the Act of 1871, or the Organic Act of 1871 for the District of Columbia, and how that changed the way we are governed and is directly impacting us today. It's one of those where they don't really teach you the details of of what that entails and how it impacts us today. And that's one of the purposes of this show is to not only educate us, but to let you know how to play the game, how to get around it, how to understand what's going on and how to best serve yourself and your fellow man. So we're going to take a quick listen here to a clip uh, that's going to talk about the Act of 1871 and get us started here. Captive as slaves in the plantation known as the United States of America. Just like how all citizens were turned into corporations in 1790 to subject them to the Revolutionary War debts, 14th Amendment citizens were created to be franchisees subject to the corporation known as the United States Incorporated. And like all corporate brands, you do not have any constitutional Bill of Rights protections. Proof of such can be found in the all-caps version of your name, which signifies a corporate entity. After the Civil War, the United States defaulted on its war debt. During the bankruptcy proceedings, cunning lawyers in league with international bankers found a loophole within Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the United States Constitution, which allowed the creation of a duplicate entity known as the Corporation of the United States of America to replace the now bankrupt of the United States of America. This occurred with the passage of the District of Columbia Organic Act of 1871, which incorporated the area of the District of Columbia into a private foreign corporation chartered in the city of London known as the United States Incorporated. 
This corporation designated Congress as the board of directors to continue the business needs of the government under martial law. Thanks to the Libra Code, federal jurisdiction under the Organic Act was expanded to include not only all captured citizens in the southern states, but all Americans in all states. Thus, America had lost her sovereignty under the yoke of the Crown of England and the international bankers. During this same time, the Corporation of the United States adopted its own constitution, which was identical to the original national constitution. To fool the people, one word was changed from its original form, the Constitution for the United States of America, to its present-day all-capitalized form, which signifies a corporate entity, the Constitution of the United States of America. In so there you have it. Essentially what this did, and, and, and many people are not even aware of this, is that it essentially created a second Constitution. Okay, and by doing so, some will say that it, it, it alienated and, and nullified the Bill of Rights and essentially the Declaration of Independence. So what I want to do tonight is take a little dive into this Act of 1871 and, and the District of Columbia in general and see how it now shapes the way we do business as a country. Okay. So let's go back to 1801. In February of 1801, the District of Columbia was created under the Second District of Columbia Act. Um, and it was created as a federal district of the United States using land that was previously given to them by Maryland and Virginia to the federal government to help create this federal district that they were trying to create. Along with this creation came its own judges and marshals through this District of Columbia Organic Act of 1801, because this land was previously known as the Territory of Columbia, and it, it, it took up about 100 square miles. So you look at it, and the United States Supreme Court has called this the District of Columbia Organization Act or the Charter Act of the District of Columbia. So essentially, since 1801, the District of Columbia has been consistently recognized as a municipal corporation with its own government. And as I said before, a corporation is an artificial person or a legal entity created by or under the authority of the laws of a state. So this district originally was made up of three small cities, which is Alexandria, which is part of Virginia, Georgetown, which was part of Maryland, and the city of Washington. So you have these three entities that were brought together as one to form the territory of Columbia. Both the White House and the U.S. Capitol were in this district, this area. So outside of these cities, the remainder of the district was, it was just basically farmland. Um, and that was organized into two counties, Washington County, which is DC on the Maryland side, and then Alexandria County, DC, which was on the Virginia side. Okay. So the U.S. Congress then decides they want to govern the district. So Alexandria City and, and the county were given back from the federal government to Virginia in 1846 in what's called retrocession. So essentially the government said, okay, we don't want this parcel of land. You can have it back. We're going to keep the rest. And, and that worked, right? That was how they were going to do things. And so that charter remained in, in, intact for 70 years, that, that, that District of Columbia Act. Uh, Organic Act remained intact for 70 years, having just Washington and Georgetown act as the principal area that made up this territory of Columbia. And then came the District of Columbia Organic Act of 1871. And what this act did was it nullified the charters of those towns and it brought the entire area under the control of the U.S. Congress. And it organized the territory within the district into two counties, 
right? Washington County, which was to the north, and then east of the Potomac River and Alexandria County to the west and south. Okay. And then, so this got rid of any distinction between the District of Columbia and Washington, okay, which essentially made the two terms synonymous. And now, hence you get Washington, D.C. And one of the things you have to understand about Washington, D.C. is essentially it's a foreign district because it's not part of the unincorporated the United States of America. It's in, in a similar way that Vatican City is n- to Italy or London City is, or the City of London, I should say, is to England. These are separate entities. Most Americans don't know that there's two constitutions in the United States. Everyone's familiar with the one that the founding fathers wrote in 1970, er, 19, 1776. So what happened was on July 4, 1776, as everyone knows, the people claimed their independence from the crown. Well, who controlled the crown? You could really say that's the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. Okay. And by so by declaring their independence from them, this republic, this democracy was born. And for about 95 years, United States people were free and independent. Or so we thought. Then come the wars, right? We have the Civil War. We have the of of the 1860s. We had the Revolutionary Wars prior to that, and and with those the debts that they incurred from those wars, they didn't have any funds to pay the foreign central banks. So Congress had three problems here, and they had to find out a way to fix them. Okay, the first was they were out of funds. They didn't have any money. The second was, following the Civil War, they had promised 40 acres of land to each slave that left the South to fight for the North. And then three, they had to reintegrate the South back into the Union. Okay, so with those three issues sitting on their plate, they essentially made a deal with the devil. Okay, or the Crown, or the, the, the City of London Corporation, which again was established by the Catholic Church in 1855. So what essentially comes of this is we become indebted to the Pope and the central banks. So the Pope and his, his central bankers, you know, they weren't about to just give the U.S. any money without stipulations, you know, if, if you have the upper hand in the deal, you're going to make the most out of it. And they did. So in, in their brilliantly evil way of doing things, they found a way to take back control of the United States of America by creating this act, uh, organic act of 1871. Okay. And, and you can look at this under the acts of the 41st Congress. Section 34, Session 3, Chapters 61 and 62. And and with really with no constitutional authority to do so, Congress created a separate form of government for the District of Columbia. And that's what happened with the passing of the District of Columbia Organic Act of 1871. They created a city-state or a state within a state called the District of Columbia, which was allocated 10 square miles of land. And what did they do? They they formed, uh, they created its own flag and essentially their own constitution, which many would say is the United States of America's second secret constitution. Okay, so in 1871, the original constitution read the Constitution for the United States for America. And that was changed to, all caps, the Constitution of the United States of America. Okay? So, the the all caps, the Constitution of the United States of America is the Constitution of the incorporated 
United States of America, again in all caps. Caps are essential because it's a legalese thing. And we will get into that a little bit later because that plays into word magic. Okay, and as we've talked about on previous shows, they are great at playing the game, right? And word magic is a huge portion of this game. It is using deceptive terms and concepts to mislead you, okay? So what Congress did by passing the Act of 1871 was to create basically a new document. Okay, a constitution for the government of District of Columbia, which was an incorporated government. Okay, prior to that, we were unincorporated. And it was on that day that the United States of America stopped being a republic, many would say, and became a formal legal corporation. And by doing so, the the new government now that they formed or the government that was formed became a for-profit municipal corporation that was for the benefit of the corporation and not the people who formed the citizen government, the original government that was laid out in the original constitution. And this is something that many people are unaware of, that the United States is a corporation these days. Now, we can tell, and and many would even say that it's a corporatocracy these days, that we are run by the corporations, which, you know, you can't say is too far off because of all the lobbying that goes on. There are millions upon millions of dollars that are at stake here. Right? Billions. Trillions, some would say. But again, it all revolves around money. It's all about being a, a corporate entity, right? Having that power. And, and when, it, when you're under the rule of a corporate entity, there's different rules and regulations. And that's how they play with the word magic that we'll get to later. Okay? So instead of having, you know, your, your absolute and unalienable rights, that were guaranteed under the original constitution, we the people now have relative rights or even some would say privileges. The act of 1871 became the foundation of all the treason that's been committed since by the government officials. Okay, and that that word treason is a big one because if you look today, we are going through what many would say is a treasonous period, right? It doesn't appear at all that our leadership is doing what's best interests of the people of America, but rather the best interests of the pharmaceutical companies, okay? Because if you look at the amount of profits that these pharmaceutical companies are reeling in right now, it is astronomical. Pfizer's in the top 10 of of companies right now from a profit standpoint why well they they needed help and using the united states government and governments worldwide they have now taken control and some would say that that we are run by the the corporations okay but the other side of this is that the united states according to this act of 1871 became incorporated itself Okay, And Congress committed treason by illegally abandoning the republic to form this corporation, right, that is managed by the three branches of government from the incorporated District of Columbia. And as I said before, some some would even say that the Bill of Rights and Declaration of Independence never transferred over to this new government and were nullified uh, by the Act of 1871. Okay. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. But again, if you, if you're going by the letter of the law and you're getting into the word magic side of things, when you get down to the the technical definitions, there is an argument that the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence have been nullified or at least retarded. Okay. So then you look at 
the 13th Amendment. And that was basically setting the groundwork for the central bankers to control over what was to become the incorporated United States, Inc. And then you could also say that the 14th and 15th Amendments as well is where you start seeing the powers of the government turn really hard and shifting the power away from the states and toward the federal government. Okay, now states still have supreme right by law. But if you're if you're going by this new incorporated version, you could say that the federal government overshadows those states' rights. And if you look right now, you're you're kind of seeing that because these mandates, right, and and specifically the the vaccine quote unquote mandate that is supposedly out there, which I don't even know if it's a real mandate. I think it's more of an edict than anything because there's no, nothing written about this mandate yet they are pushing the corporations and pushing the states to get the people vaccinated and if they don't punish them well that's that's not how this is supposed to work folks it's supposed to be the state's choice and even so a lot of these corporations are saying well we don't care about the state's rights we're going to we're going to go ahead with the mandate policy which is total bullshit. It's 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 a it's inhumane. Okay, it's against the Nuremberg laws. But B, it's technically illegal what they're doing. Okay? And we we will get into that I'm sure down the road in some other shows. But what they're doing is is not legal at all. Okay? So if we it, essentially, though, if you look at all the amendments to the Constitution from the 13th Amendment on, they should be repealed for pushing this style of democracy through the manipulation of the citizens and their votes. OK, so let's look at the 14th Amendment real quick. In, in 1868, you have Section 1 that says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States, and we'll get into the word citizen later, and the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. They're violating that thing up, down, and sideways right now. Let's look at Section 2 of the 14th Amendment. Representatives shall be appointed among several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, excluding Indians not taxed. So that's essentially your your House of Representatives, right? Section 3. No person shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to enemies thereof. But Congress may vote, uh, may by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Well, you could argue even today that, you know, uh, many of our politicians have engaged in aiding the enemy, right? I mean, there's a lot of evidence that the Bidens have worked directly with China, taking billions of dollars from them. But good luck ever, you know, seeing the parasites take down one another unless you go outside the narrative. All right, so let's get back to the 14th Amendment. Section 4, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection and, re- and, and rebellion shall not be questioned. <laughs> Unbelievable. Let's move on to Amendment 15, which was in 1870. Section 1. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. 
Section 2. The Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation or by bogusly creating mail-in voting, which is a fraud. Okay? It's... Now, basically, the 15th Amendment is, is the right to vote, right? So that's... And again, though, if you look at that, that doesn't include women, right? And that came later. So let's get to the District of Columbia Organic Act. If you look at that, though, the opening paragraph of it, it's essentially the, it's the municipal corporation, and that's the word they use to describe it, that was created. It's actually a private corporation that is owned by the government or truly owned by powers that be ahead, uh, higher than the government. And let's go back, though, to st- if you look at the... Uh, uh, an interesting thing to look at is the flag, right, that comes with this. So the, the District of Columbia's flag has three red stars, each symbolizing a city-state within the three-city empire. And the three-city empire consists of Washington, D.C. The D.C. stands for District of Columbia. But you could also say that that those three red stars stand for Washington, D.C., the city of London, and Vatican City, which in reality are the real controllers of the world right now. Okay, the Vatican usually it tends to run things. The city of London tends to be the banking wing, right? The money side of things. And the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., tends to be the military arm of this octopus. Okay, and Charlie Robinson wrote a great book, The Octopus of Global Control, that talks about this stuff. Okay, and so when when Congress illegally passed the Act of 1871, It created, as we said before, all caps, the United States and a separate form of government for the District of Columbia. Now, if you look at corporate law, corporate law requires a corporation to have a president and a vice president. Well, we already had that. Okay, so essentially the president is the CEO of the United States. Right. He's the chief executive officer. He's... And his power has been diminished over the years. You know, as you look at it, the president doesn't really have tremendous power. He's more of a front man, right? And the, but on the other hand, the president can only be fired by his board of directors, which is Congress. Okay, as we saw with the many circuses that Nancy Pelosi put forth against former President Trump. If Congress wants to get you out, that's the only way to impeach and get rid of a president. So who is the president really taking orders from? Well, if we go back to what we previously said, we would say the crown, right? Well, when you look at the crown, that's not necessarily the queen, okay? The crown sometimes refers to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Okay, which was created in 1919 by guess who? The Society of Jesus or the Jesuits. So you, again, here we go. The Jesuits always have their hand in something. And as we look at it, it never benefits the people that they're impacting. It always tends to benefit the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church. And so once you see Jesuits involved, you know it's not good and it's going to be shady. And if we want to, we want to compare something in America to the uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs, it, it would be comparable to the, uh, the Council of Foreign Relations, right? The CFR. And they're, they're basically on the same boat. They're both think tanks that really determine policy, you know, and when you start looking at the president, the, the people that really make the policy, and as we're seeing today, it's the corporations, which are influenced by the CFR, Bilderberg, Trilateral, you know, all these different groups 
that are kind of think tanks of the most powerful people in the world or, or the nation that get together and, you know, they formulate plans or think tanks and think out ideas, much like, you know, Gates did with Agenda 21. That was just an, a, 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 you know, think tank. It's amazing how think tanks tend to represent reality of the future. So if we look at this during the last several decades, the Constitution for the United States of America has, has basically been overthrown. And it's now observed only as like a facade, right? It, it, it deceives and placates all of us thinking, you know, we have all these rights. But what really replaced it is a shadow government. Okay, and this shadow government, you could look at it three different ways, right? You have the all caps United States of America, which is could is said to be controlled by the British, right? You have the United States in all caps, which is said to be controlled by the Holy See, okay? Now, if you look at the Holy See and the British, they're they're one in another. They're two birds same, you know, they're the same. But then you look at the United States of America, which is that's where we have the power, right? That's the original constitution. That's where the American people have a say in how their nation is ran. And looking at it today, that is not the case. We do not have the power. We saw rampant election fraud in the in the past couple election cycles. And it's just, you know, things are getting worse by the day, which means our, you know, voice is not being heard. It's not being listened to. Okay. So then you go move ahead a little bit to, you know, the early 1900s. And once again, default loomed over the United States. So what did the U.S. do? The United States government went to the crown of England and asked for an extension of time. And as any good dark lord would do, they granted the extension for another 20 years, but it had stipulations, had conditions. And one of the conditions was that the United States allow the creditors to establish a new national bank. Well, guess what followed about four years later? Another illegal act. In 1913, the Federal Reserve Bank was created. And if you add the Federal Reserve Bank along with the 16th Amendment, which allowed for the collection of income tax, and the 17th Amendment, which provided two senators per state, These were the two main things that the crown wanted. And why? If you if you look at those two things, the ability of the federal government to collect tax and to limit the representation per state to two representatives, two senators per state, not representatives, it would reduce the state's power. So in essence, you know, some some people would even say that the United States app adopted the Babylonian system, right? We're going back to, to ancient times where, you know, the people don't have any say. It, it's, it's, you know, as we would say today, a corporatocracy. So let's take a quick listen to uh, on the incorporated United States. Government created for the District of Columbia via the Act of 1871 operates solely on the private international law, not common law, which was the foundation of our constitutional republic. And it is this fact that has impacted all Americans in concrete ways. For instance, although private international law is technically only applicable within the District of Columbia and not in the other states of the Union, the arms of the Corporation of the United States are called departments. As an example, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department, and those departments affect everyone, no matter where and what state you live. Guess what? Each department belongs to the corporation, to the all capital letter, United States. I now pose the question, 
How do you feel that you know that you're now being ruled by a corporation? A corporation that operates under Roman civil law outside the original constitution. I challenge everyone listening to contact their congressman and see what they have to say about this. Congress is fully aware of this deception. What this great deception really means is that the members of Congress do not work for us, for you and me. They work for the corporation, for the all capital letter United States. Is it any wonder why we can't get Congress to do anything on our behalf or meet our demands or answer our questions? And here's the bottom line, technically, legally, or any other way you want to look at this matter. The corporate government of the all capital of the United States has no jurisdiction or authority in any state of the Union, the Republic, beyond the District of Columbia. Let that tidbit sink in, then ask yourself, could this deception have occurred without full knowledge and complicity of the Congress? Government. He said it right there right could this happen without the full knowledge of congress and as we're seeing today yes they know what's going on and it's a game good luck getting your congressman to do anything they no longer represent you much like nascar drivers congressmen should walk around with all of their lobbyist sponsors on their jacket so we know who they really work for because it's not us the people because if it was us the people we wouldn't be in the scenario that we're in right now but due to the fact that we are part of a corporation they are not responsible to us they are responsible to their masters all right and that's something key that we have to understand and that we're under roman law okay our, our system is a totally Roman system. And one of the things that they do is they use word magic. Okay. And let's, let's take a look at that a little bit deeper. Okay. And I want to get into the birth certificate because the birth certificate didn't come around until 1900. All right. And why, why do we need a piece of paper certifying our live birth? Or on the other side of life, why do you need a death certificate? Okay, but let's look at the birth certificate first. Okay, so what is now? Now you have to understand word magic. Okay, birth, B I R T H, also sounds like birth, B E R T H. And again, when we start looking at this, we are under admiralty law, Roman law maritime law so a lot of the legal system refers to words of the sea the water shipping okay citizenship right it's it's a game guys and we have to know how to play the game and that's why i recommend to every one of you that you get the book word magic the power and occult definitions of words and also take a look at the Black's Law Dictionary because in there you will see how they manipulate and use words to get us to play their game. And the birth certificate's the first step, right? You become an entity of the, of the government as soon as your parents sign that birth certificate, okay? So let's look at the word birthing when it refers to shipping, okay? It birthing means it's delivering a product from a vessel to the dock. Well, you are born out of the birth canal. Again, another word that relates to the sea. And guess what? They <laughs> you they deliver a baby from the mothership. Okay, so we look at the birth certificate and the birth certificate is a certificate of manifest. It's a document that has information about a product, right? Like a, a, a manifest has your registration number, your country of origin, your manufacturer. So does your birth certificate. Who is your manufacturer? Your parents. They sign it off. And as soon as they do sign off, 
on that birth certificate or that certificate of live birth, they become parents. Now let's break down that word, pair rents, a pair that rents because they do not own you any longer. They are renting you from the government and the government can take that child away at any time if you break any of their laws or step outside their game. And this is something that you have to understand. Citizenship or a citizen of a ship means that you are under the jurisdiction of admiralty or maritime law. Okay, and so your birth certificate, it, it, it's essentially your consent to being an artificial person or a legal name, a name, a corporation, and a citizen, all in one. Your parents turned you into a product of the ship. You become a dead and fictional character belonging to the state. Okay, so think about it. When you are in your mother's womb, you are in fluid. You are in water, okay? So technically, you are lost at sea. So when you are born and your birth certificate, after seven years being lost at sea, you are technically dead, Okay, so what your legal name represents is an artificial person that exists only on paper. It's used to spiritually enslave you. Your legal name, it's, it's not who you really are because we're nameless. We're spiritual beings that are just in a, a flesh suit, right? I mean, we're, we're not this name that they, they say we are. We're not an... Um, artificial person or an artificial entity okay so we look at the corporation again what's a corporation it's an artificial person or a legal entity created by or under the authority of laws of a state it's a dead entity that has no natural rights okay we we as human beings are born with natural rights god-given rights but you give up those God-given rights with the birth certificate becoming an artificial person, okay? It's, you're a legal entity at that point. Now, here's an interesting one. Why do they always ask you for your signature? Okay? I never thought about this. But an autograph is used by a living person. A signature is used by a corporate officer or a person to do business with a corporation. So every time that you sign a contract, you agree to play their game of commerce. Do you ever notice that on a lot of your legal documents, your name is in all caps? Much like the Constitution right? The second constitution that they created, or when you see the United States in all caps, that is speaking of the United States, the corporation. So if your name is in all caps at that point, you are a corporation, a dead entity. All right. Now on the other side of it, if your name is in lowercase, that means you are a natural person and you have natural rights. But by your name being in all caps, that's your corporate name, your legal name. And a dead person has no natural rights, only artificial rights and privileges. Only a living man has natural rights, which are unalienable rights that are given to man by God. Unalienable rights, one which cannot be surrendered to the government or society because no equivalent can be received for it, and one which neither government or society can take away because they cannot give an equivalent. Okay, and that's what we have to understand. The difference between inherent rights and unalienable rights. Okay, so you look at inherent rights. Those are present at birth. 
but they're not necessarily hereditary. But unalienable rights are rights from God that are not lienable. But on the other side, you have inalienable rights, which are rights from the corporate government that can be leaned against or taken away at any time. Very much like a privilege. Okay, so you have to understand the difference between unalienable rights and inalienable rights. There's a massive, huge difference. One is participating in the game of commerce, and one is natural law that is provided to you by God. So if we look at this, the corporate government that was created in 1871 will continue to exist as long as three things, right? One, we're in a state of war or a state of emergency has to exist, okay? Whether it's the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on terrorism, whatever the war may be. Now it may be considered the war on COVID, all right? As long as there is that emergency out there, we're going to keep operating under this corporate government. Number two, until the president does not terminate martial law or emergency powers by executive orders or decree. So as long as the president keeps the emergency powers going, the executive orders and the martial law continuing, we will still be under the corporate government. And the third one, the people do not resist. Okay, so we will will continue to exist under a corporate government unless the people do not resist submission and terminate by restoring lawful civil courts, processes, and procedures under the authority of inherent political powers of the people. So until we stop playing their game, we are going to be members of this corporation. And in this corporation, they have a court system which is, again, full of all sorts of word magic that is essentially saying that you agree to play their game. Now, you can go the sovereign citizen route and try to get out of their game. It's a, it's a difficult process, and I actually I know someone who's going through it or trying to go through it right now. And it's an interesting concept. I'm not going to get too much into it right now, but... Uh, you know, that is one avenue you could go. But if we look at it, another way that we've been duped that most of us don't even realize is with our flag. Okay. The standard flag that we fly, you know, red and white stripes. And then it has up in the uh, upper left corner, you have the blue background with the stars. That is the U.S. military flag. Okay. That is not, that means we are at war and is only to be flown during wartime. Many of us fly it outside of our house every day, not knowing that we are basically supporting this corporate government and their ongoing war battle. Now, there is a U.S. civil flag, which most of us are not aware of, and what we should be trying to fly outside of our house because that means we have our power back or some of our power back and we're not at war. And it's essentially the same flag, okay? And it is the red and white stripes, but instead of the blue background in the upper left corner, it has a white background with blue stars. And the civil flag became encoded encoded in law in 1874 by uh, Treasury Secretary William Richardson. And he required all courthouses to display the civil flag. I have yet to see a civil flag flying outside any of our courthouses. You always see the U.S. military flag. And then when you go inside of it, you see the third flag, which is the USA corporate flag, which is the the same as the military flag, but it has the gold fringe. 
okay, and the gold fringe which surrounds the flag gives notice that the American flag has been captured and is now being used by the corporate so-called government to give notice of its jurisdiction. And I know there was a lot of, you know, conspiracies going around last year when, you know, when Trump would give a speech and whether the flag had the gold fringe or not. Guys, it's had the gold fringe all along. <laughs> We're under a corporate. You know, Trump was supposed to save you. He was going to go Nasara, Jasara. He was going to end the Fed, you know, all this stuff. It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. There are no saviors. Trump's not going to save you. No politician is going to save you. The only way that we change this is from the ground up. And you have to start locally. We have to make sure we elect the right representatives, whether it be in the House and especially in the Congress, because really the power lies in the Congress. Okay, and those two representatives that rent your, uh, represent your state are who you should be focused on. That and your governor, right? Because the governor immediately impacts your state. So I thought that was really interesting because I didn't even know about the whole flag ordeal until about a year ago when I started digging into it a little bit. But what we start seeing here, guys, is, is with this Organic Act of 1871... We essentially went from being a democratic republic to a corporation, right? And now we are in that axis of evil with Vatican City and the city of London. And there's really, you know, you, you hate to say it, but there's not much you can do about it right now. Not you, not me. You know, it takes all of us. But we, how do we understand? We have to know the game. And that's why I think it's so important that we understand the terms of the game. You learn the law, right? Word magic, Black's Law Dictionary. Read those. Understand the game that you are involved in and how you can best play the game to benefit yourself and your fellow man. Let's, let's wrap this up here, okay? And understand that the gist of this is, is that the District of Columbia, which is that 10 square mile area in Washington, D.C., is not part of the United States unincorporated. It is the incorporated head of the United States government that works hand in hand with the city of London and the Vatican. And it is controlled buy money. It's run like a corporation for profit, not for the benefit of the citizens. And we are seeing that now more than ever. With this whole vaccine push, all these congressmen, look how many congressmen and representatives have stock in Pfizer, J&J or Moderna, right? And tell me that they're doing that in our best interests and not just doing it for themselves and for the benefit of those corporations. Because if they were, we would hear about the side effects. We would hear about the negative. We would hear both sides of the story. But what do they do? They manipulate, they lie, and they deceive. That's the only way that their game goes on. They have to use deception, right? That's why my podcast is named The Great Deception Podcast, because we have been deceived. We have been lied to over and over again. And your history books are not going to tell you this kind of stuff. Because if they let you know right away or they, they taught you this, and, and think about school. How much law do they teach you in school? How much banking do they teach you in school? They don't teach you much. They teach you just enough to say, oh, we told you. You could have dug a little deeper on your own. But they don't, they don't get into the nuts and bolts of it. They don't really educate you to the extent that you need. They push you towards their agenda, which is debt slavery. They want you to rack up as much debt as you can. Because A, it benefits them. And it, B, it keeps you under wraps. Because when you are in debt, you are a slave, essentially. And we went from 
physical slavery to debt slavery. Okay, and that's where we are today. And unfortunately, it's not going to change unless we push back and we learn the system, learn the game. And that's why I wanted to get this out there right now because I really feel like this is something that we should start focusing on because it's not going to get any better until we take a stand, until we understand the game that we are played in, are participating in, and the game that they, it's stacked in their favor, guys, unless you know the rules of the game. And by looking at this kind of stuff, you can start seeing the manipulation. You can start seeing the deception and the lies and understand what they're doing to continue holding power. And why do they do this, right? Why do they, why do they put, because they need our energy. What is a corporation? It's, it's an, it's fake. It's dead. Okay. It's not living. So it requires our energy. We are the batteries to this system. And if we pull out, they have no power. And that's what we have to understand. But it has to be done collectively. It can't be done by one group. Because they've set this system up in a way to have two poles, right? Left and a right. Democrat, Republican. It's all to stir up your energy so that they can harness it. We are the batteries that supply this system. And until you take your energy out of the system, it will continue to grow. And the further the division grows, the more powerful the government becomes. Because as they say, united we stand, divided we fall. All right. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up right here. I want to just thank you all for taking the time to listen. Uh, I would ask that if you could, please leave a review. Feel free to reach out to me if you uh, if you want. I can be reached on Instagram at the Great Deception Podcast. Feel free to DM me. I'll, I'll respond to everybody. Um, if you know of anyone that would be interested in being on the show that has an interesting topic, send it to me. I will I will talk to just about anyone. Um, we have a couple of uh, I got a couple busy weeks coming up here. I got some good shows lined up with. Uh, some very interesting folks on a variety of topics. And uh, I also want to give you a heads up. Okay, so coming in either mid-November, next few weeks. Okay, this is uh, end of last, last week of October. It's hard to believe the year's flying. But in the next couple of weeks, I got a few big things for you. Okay, I got some visual uh, presentations that I'm going to run through. I'm going to have some YouTube videos and I'm also going to run it on the podcast uh, through these these channels. But what I have is I have a deep dive into the World's Fair of 1893, which was in Chicago. Uh, I have a... Uh, and I also want to look at some of the other uh, World's Fairs and see how they all tie in and, and kind of uh, lead us to where we are today and may have been... The last critical piece to the last great reset. Okay, I also have a uh, a shorter presentation on the crystal palaces from the 1800s that I, I, I find fascinating. Um, and then recently, I just started diving into the star forts, and I have a, a, a pretty cool. Uh, and I'm still working on it. I keep getting more and more information. Uh, every time I think I'm done, I'm like, oh, here's more. Okay. I can't, I can't stop right here and on the star forts and those things, man, that's another fascinating topic. They, uh, they appear all over the world, much like a lot of the, uh, architecture in the world's fairs. And, and some would even say it ties into Tartaria. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not into the, I, I love the concept of Tartaria, right? I like the idea of it, but I think that word has become way too over encapsulating, right? I think it includes too much and gives too much credit to this group, uh, or term when in reality, what I want to talk about is the old world. 
okay the the previous civilization that was great that had that had the ability to build they had technology what they have uh antiquitech is what they call it and i really want to start getting into that and and i have some other uh topics i'd like to look at from from the 1800s as well because what i'm really trying to get into is is how did we end up here you know and we we hear throughout time that there are these resets right and there could be you know hundreds of resets over time if you believe the actual timeline or there there could have been multiple resets but we know that something happened in the 18th and 19th century that caused a cataclysm that changed the world and got us to where we are today. And I want to dig into that some more. And there's some really fascinating topics that I'd like to get into um, in that arena. But in addition to that, we're going to keep hammering uh, some other topics, you know, some, uh, I, I want to get into a little bit more spirituality um, and things like that. And I have some good interviews lined up with some folks coming, uh, shortly. I know this week and next week, I got a couple really good interviews lined up. Um, and then, uh, we'll get into some more deep dives as well. Um, I have some, I have a whole, lots of big plans for the show. Uh, there's just not enough hours in the day. You know, I still got to work my, uh, nine to five job and corporate America, and uh, be able to pay the bills because I'm not asking for anything for this show. Uh, I do it, you know, for free. I actually pay money to put this show out. So, uh, it, like I said before, if you could leave me a review, some feedback, get us in the algorithm, that would be great. Get some more eyes and ears onto these topics. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, and the one other thing I want to uh, put out there is every Monday night, I, uh, I I set up a roundtable uh, discussion with anywhere from four four to six other people, and we're calling it the Monday Master Debaters. And so I will be putting those shows out on Tuesday for the most part. Every Tuesday we will uh, we'll throw one of those out there. And so far, guys, we've done two of them. They have been so much fun. They're they're entertaining. They're educational, um, but it's just a bunch of us sitting around and talking. We don't come with any pre-planned, you know, topics to talk about. We just kind of throw something out there and then ride it till the end of the show. And we usually give you a good hour and a half to to two hours on there. So, uh, you know, you'll be getting one to two shows a week from me right now. And uh, I also just teamed up with um, NY Patriot. Moral Bob and and the Odd Man and I will be joining them the first Tuesday of every month to do the uh, the meeting of the minds, which is their roundtable uh, discussion that they do. And I had a lot of fun with them. Um, it's it's on my page if you want to go check it out. The the first one I did, uh, we had a great discussion. It was a lot of fun, and I look forward to joining them as well. So uh, just let you know, I'm, I'm trying to expand the show. I'm trying to get out there and, uh, and, and get with as many people as possible and really uh, get with as many minds as possible because the more we can get our word out, the better off we're going to be. Now, whether it's just a, a stupid rant on my part or it's a deep dive into something historically, I think all of it's important. Right, because on this show, I, you know, on my the Great Deception podcast, I don't really want to get into current events too much. You know, I, I, it's so draining. I'm so over all the virus and vaccine talk. But as all of us know, it's unavoidable. But I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible on my show, and uh, and and the shows that I go on as well. I really try to avoid it. But the the roundtables are a great place where we start talking current events and we get into some really interesting topics there and you have a variety of minds there to really uh, take the discussion all over the place. And and like I said, they're a lot of fun to do. Uh, They're good listen. So I highly recommend those and check it out. There will be a new one uh, this Tuesday coming out where we got a great lineup for tomorrow night. And... uh, That's all I got for tonight. 
Okay. I again, I want to thank you all. Uh, the feedback, the uh, support I've gotten so far has been overwhelming. I mean, I I expected this show, you know, when I started it to reach a few ears and maybe maybe some people would be interested. But so far, I I mean, you you people are great. I mean, it's just been such a it makes all the hard work worth it. A lot of you don't understand how much work goes into these shows, especially these deep dives. It's hours and hours of research. And then, you know, on the other side of it, we we line up guests and booking and and like I said, I got a, I got a regular job, you know, and I have my son, so my time is limited. But I really feel like this podcast to me is important because I want to share what I know and I get to learn from other people as well. I mean, I, I, I'm trading Instagram messages with people. People are sending me information. I love it because that's how we're going to break out of this matrix, guys. It ha- it's an information war. It's a spiritual war. And we have to align ourselves and and put on the quote-unquote armor of God, right? Arm yourself. Be ready. You can't go into a knife fight barehanded unless you know Krav Maga like Sam T. Okay? <laughs> but uh, no, in, in, in all sincerity though, I, I got to thank you guys. This has been great so far. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive and I really appreciate it. And I appreciate it appreciate all of you taking time to listen to this because I understand there's a lot of podcasts out there and you guys have other things to do with your time. So for for you to take the time to listen to me, I mean, I am very thankful. So with that being said, I wish you all the best. Stay strong and question everything. Is there a secret history of the United States intentionally hidden by the mainstream media? Could there be a secret society of fat money businessmen whose agenda has been the cause of every major war and economic depression? Is there a shadowy elite gently pulling the strings of our world to bring about their own self-serving political program? The answers may surprise you. The creation of the Federal Reserve System was about more than just money. Some refer to it as the secret birth of a criminal conspiracy to rob the American middle class of its hard-earned wealth. Others believe it to be part of an attempt to bring the world under the control of a shadowy international elite that calls itself the New World Order.